0: This is Disrupting Recruitment, a podcast focused on moving recruitment from a reactive to a proactive state. We talk to experts as well as recruitment marketers living it day to day to learn how to improve inbound as well as outbound and other recruitment marketing strategies. And it all starts now. All right, so I am extremely excited about uh, this episode of disrupting recruitment um, mainly because we're going to talk about marketing automation Uh, and to do that today i have a very special guest uh, matt lauer here with me Um, matt is a marketing ops uh, expert and uh, so we're going to talk about um, some all things marketing automation as we uh, look at ways that we can improve the recruitment process. So welcome, Matt. It's great to have you uh, on the Thanks. show. Thanks, Brand. Happy to be on. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, for those of uh, our listeners that are not familiar with you. Um, just give us a little mm-hmm. uh, sort of rundown about who you are and what yeah, you do. so <clears throat>
1: name's Matt Lauer. I'm not related at all to the guy that was uh, ceremoniously fired from the Today Show, thankfully. And my story is one where I didn't know I was going to get into marketing operations. I think most people in the similar train of work as, as me don't know they're getting into marketing operations. They just kind of meander into it. So I was originally doing membership recruitment for a nonprofit, eventually became kind of the expert with our CRM. Then I was doing this big recruitment process, which was essentially a crash course in marketing operations without even knowing it. And after that point, I said, I want to figure out what job I just did. Cause I really enjoyed it and it's not really in the nonprofit space. And so got an MBA, started doing more explicit marketing campaign work. And then one day I stumbled upon a job description for marketing operations. And when I read through the actual description itself, I said, this is pretty much everything I want to do. This is exactly what I think I'm good at. And that's what I've been doing since 2020 is explicitly marketing operations, but essentially been doing the functions of marketing operations now for about eight years. And so I do marketing operations, and I'm at a company right now called Alloy, which is in kind of the the financial tech space with a really cool product, which I'm not a bank, but I'm not a FinTech either, but if it is, it's worth something checking out. And so I essentially do the uh, process, data, as well as our systems for anything related to marketing, also kind of related to the pre-opportunity funnel. So that includes some sales technologies like Groove or SalesLoft. And essentially we've been doing that um, for Alloy and other companies before that point too. So
0: um, before we get into automation itself, um, what what does marketing ops actually do um, And do you think that's a role that would be important in recruitment?
1: Yeah. So I think operations is an important role in pretty much any component of a business. So if we're thinking about a factory, for instance, they have been doing operations, the assembly line everyone knows about, that was essentially creating automation within a system, within an assembly line. And so what marketing operations does is we look at everything in the marketing area, which tends to be Uh, people before they come in, leads after they come in, all the way to the point before they really become a sales qualified opportunity. And we're focused on what I think are the three key pillars for any operations type work, which is systems, data, and processes. So you need to own the systems. You need to make sure you have the right systems, make sure that they're the minimally necessary systems to get the job done, make sure they're connected. Second, you need to make sure that the data you have is both clean, it's up-to-date, you have all the info you need, and if not, you figure out how to get it. And then finally, you have the processes that actually make this work. Because as much as we envision, I know Elon Musk is famous for saying, we're going to have you know, the super dreadnought factory and it will do everything itself. There won't be any people. There are going to be people no matter what in any of these processes. So you need to figure out what is the process, the most appropriate process for layering what people are good at and what systems and automation are good at and make sure they work together as flawlessly as they can. And so that principle, it's true for marketing ops. I think it's true for RevOps. ops. It's true just for operations in general. And so if you're in the recruiting space, why would you also not need that? You're handling almost kind of what marketing ops does. You're handling people who maybe have never heard of you before. They come in, they expressed interest in what they want from you is your product, which is a job. And so if you're doing recruiting, it's similar principles. And especially if you're at a larger company, if you're at even a smaller company, especially with the economy we have right now, you're going to probably get a lot of applications and having a good journey for someone that's showing interest in your company is a good thing. And if you can make that as automated as possible, it's going to save you time. It's going to allow you to, to look at more candidates. It just makes everything more efficient, which time is money. Efficiency is the way to get more of your time back.
0: We're seeing a lot more focus on recruiter mm-hmm. experience and recruiter burnout and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, having 200, 300 applicants, <laughs> uh, sounds like a good thing, but it's really, yeah.
1: Not. And especially if you get a, you know, hundred, 200 coming in, in a day. Because you, you don't yeah. get them consistently. It's kind of the same if you put out an ebook or you put out some sort of report and suddenly you get a flood of people coming in or maybe a, an event and you register. That's where automation really shines. It's when there are these massive spikes and you need to be able to deal with these spikes as efficiently as possible. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's all about being able to tamp down the spikes and do do it effectively.
0: So let's, let's dive into that a little bit in what marketing automation really does, because in recruitment, we talk a lot about automation, but a lot more, like 99% of the recruitment tech tools out there that talk about automation are very basic task-related mm-hmm. automation, like uh, you know, send an email if when they hit apply, yeah. or um, like very very low-level automation abilities. Um, and there's only a few uh, real true marketing automation platforms, mm-hmm. like uh, like the Marketos and Pardots um, of the world in recruitment. Um, you know, candidate hub being one of them, uh, ISIM's marketing automation, which used to be candidate ID, mm-hmm. um, would be probably the top two. But, um, so, uh, you know, can you maybe run through a little bit, like what true marketing automation is, um, you know, like a a marketo versus sort of a hub spot? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, how can it be used more effectively in recruitment?
1: Yeah, I think that, It's a good question. I know for different industries, they may lag or be further ahead compared to others. So for instance, Marketo has been around for, I mean, well over a decade at this point. I think HubSpot's been around for a decade, but the amount of uh, automation that they bring to the table has been ramping up quickly because I think that's where the next step is. So if you're talking about marketing automation, there are a lot of different places. I think a few examples are good to illustrate what it does. So at a very high level, the basic thing is, let's say someone submits a form or let's say they want to buy your product and you have a demo request form on your website. You know, ask for the basic information, your name, your email address, why you want to buy this, the company you're at. And at a very basic level, what a lot of these systems do is they just take that data. They put it into your marketing automation platform, your CRM, especially if the HubSpot, and it just presents that information. You can set up email alerts. You can have it route to a certain person based on characteristics of the form they submitted. So everything there, I think pretty much every system does. Where the automation gets, I think the most valuable is when you start getting into the trickier, more customizable aspects of marketing automation. So for instance, the next, you know, the next step in complexity is, okay, well, as we talked about, you can have a massive spike. Let's say 200 people fill out your form but you don't have the ability to go through 200. So how do you rank order those people uh, in a way that's systematized where you can look at maybe the top 50 or the top 25 based on the criteria you're using? And so that's something a lot of marketing automation platforms does, which is just called lead scoring. And so you can say, well, if this email is, let's say at Gmail and I'm using this for B2B business, I want to discount that compared to something that's like at JP Morgan that I would want to give more credit. Or let's say the title is president and CEO or VP of acquisitions or something like that. You want to give that more credit than someone who just says, I'm, you know, Joe Blow off the street. I don't know what this is. I, or maybe I think Alloy is a metal company or something, you know, whatever that might be. So marketing automation, it, it's allows you to do all these different complicated steps and the, the more complicated system you get, like the Marketos of the world, I'd say is the most robust system when it comes to automation. It also looks like it was is the UI from about 2005, which is why it has such a high learning curve is that it's really hard to use, but it's immensely powerful, especially if you're using Salesforce and you can do really crazy things like two-factor lead scoring, where you're doing demographics and behavior and creating a grid and, and qualifying people. If like each of those elements have re- reached a certain stage, you know, or you can do nurture campaigns where you're sending emails on a predefined schedule over multiple days and giving them certain content depending on what they're doing. So marketing automation platforms go all the way from the very simple, like I said, just form fill, send me an email, I'm done, all the way up to I want two-factor scoring with a complicated lead routing system and instantaneous syncing over to our sales system with a Slack message being sent and other things. So it really depends on what you want to do. If, if you want to get more customizable, it's going to be more complicated, but it gives you greater ability to do some really, truly great great things that save time.
0: Yeah, and I know recruiters listening to this might think holy crap that sounds like <laughs> a lot of work and it is a lot of work to mm-hmm. kind of get I'm not going to lie, it's a lot of work to get marketing automation set up properly, but once you do the amount of time it saves you is well yeah. worth it. And like I you're talking about lead scoring I think, which is a really important factor. Um and and I say it a lot to people in the recruiting space, like, you know, would you rather talk to somebody, you, you have a bunch of candidates that have applied for job and you're trying to shortlist all of these candidates, you know, do you want to talk to people that have submitted, who may have hit a apply now or easy apply or mm-hmm. quick apply buttons on some site? Don't even know who the hell you are. <laughs> um Cause mm-hmm. we all know that we call people and we're like, Hey, this is Brad calling from candidate hub. Mm-hmm. Uh, you applied for a job and they're like, uh, yeah, uh, uh,
1: I don't know. Yeah, which that, one was but, it? It was 3am um, and yeah. I just hit the LinkedIn <laughs> easy apply and I didn't yeah. even know what I sent.
0: Um, uh, versus, you know, the person who did some investigative work before, like they were on mm-hmm. your career site, they watched some YouTube videos. They, um, you know, they, they did apply. They, then went to your hiring manager page mm-hmm. on linkedin like they did all of this stuff um you know which which one of those two would you rather talk to right it's and so when you're getting 2 300 applications marketing automation and lead scoring can really like cut your shortlist time mm-hmm. in yeah. half um you know and i think that's that's important in today's market where you know we are starting to see a little bit of flood in applications coming in. And uh, that lead scoring part like, is, is really important.
1: Yeah, and just to support um, your point, whenever I've built something out inside of Salesforce, Marketo, HubSpot, Pardot, the number of systems I've touched, is, it, it's kind of scary. Um, it does take more time to build this out. Just like if you think about a, a car factory, if you're gonna build, if you ever watch, of course this shows how nerdy I am in operations, if you've ever watched the videos that document how a car is made from start to finish, you'll see where they introduce automation and where they actually have people doing it. And there are these crazy machines. Like when you're talking about coating a car with paint, it's not done by people anymore, they have this giant contraption that dips it in, pulls it out, rotates it all these different ways, it paints it automatically. It's like, you look at that and you say, my God, how much time did it take to build that machine, to do all of those complicated functions? And the answer is, it took less time than it would take to do it manually because they would only do that if the investment would pay itself back at some point. And that's how you have to look at all marketing automation or just automation in general, as you do a calculus and like, what's the payback period? This takes me 10, 15 hours to build, but it's going to save me 20 hours over the next six months, and I'm going to continue using this system for the next three years then you can quantify how many man hours this has saved. And that actually you can quantify how much money you've saved at this point. So it's not only the money you, you save by maybe you buy a tool, you have to spend that money, you have to build it up. But if you figure out what the payback period is and you figure out, it's usually not as long as you think, especially if you're building something, you know, only moderately difficult to do like lead scoring. You'll be amazed at how much time you save and that either means you don't have to hire a second person to do work that could be automated, or it means that you, as a person, are able to go through candidates a lot faster, which is what I think everyone wants to do when they get a spike of two hundred in one day.
0: Well, I think the big thing is is it allows recruiters to do what they do best, and <clears throat> that's talk to candidates mm-hmm. and build relationships with them. And it sounds like you said it sounds like a daunting task. And I have seen that video, by the way, where they dip cars <laughs> <in> paint <laughs> yeah. and paint. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, but like. We we do this in, in our businesses all the mm-hmm. time. You think about the amount of time people have put into Excel to try to build Excel formulas that'll save them time. Like probably, uh, you know, we've all worked on Excel sheets for days trying to get something figured out, mm-hmm. right? And, and we'll do it without even thinking. But then trying to add the new technology, uh, you know, seems daunting and is it really worth it? But you're right. Like if it saves you, uh, a ton of time in the long run it's absolutely mm-hmm. worth it and in, in, uh, or the you know the technology really wouldn't have lasted this long on the market and so we talked about lead scoring and, and mapping sort of or capturing engagement across multiple channels and I think that's one of the key things about a good automation platform will capture those sort of behaviors across multiple channels not just on your career mm-hmm. site or your product page or whatever um how would you use marketing automation to map uh, a candidate journey it would be very similar as mapping a customer journey yeah. but um i think it's really important we talk a lot about candidate journeys in in recruitment and people say it's hard to map <laughs> but I, I i don't think it's that difficult if you have the right automation yeah
1: it's and it's not only automation till a lot of you know, a lot of this starts before you even touch the tool. So whenever I'm yeah. building something out or there's an, let's put it this way, when there's an opportunity and a need, oftentimes what I'll do is I'll go to the stakeholder or the person that would be the end user of this system. And I just ask them, what is it that you're looking for? And I don't, I don't want them to think about the technology. I want them to tell me like, what is it that you're looking for? And oftentimes they'll say, well, I'm not hundred percent sure. And that's when I start throwing out ideas. And so for instance, I just, um recently built a custom customer journey inside of Salesforce. And so if we're going to take that example and map it over to a candidate journey, really, before you even get started, you need to figure out what are the key points along the way that you care about? Because a candidate or a customer journey, you could measure literally every single email, you can say the third email, fourth email, fifth email. It's good to measure that, but you shouldn't have maybe KPIs around that. So you really need to define what is. What are the key stops along the way from the moment that we, let's say, receive the or the moment the job is posted, the moment we receive the candidate's information, resume, cover letter, whatever it is, then what are the key points along that way next? Is it the first time we reach out, their response, or do you just combine that to their response? And once you get all of these dates figured out, then it's just simply saying, okay, how do we mark that each, uh, that each of these gates have been reached for the person? And depending on the automation you're using, there are usually ways that um, it automatically can either read the email and say, okay, this is what we're doing all the way to maybe you manually have to put the candidate status as step two or step three or step four or accept an offer. Ideally, if you can automate that, that's the best, but if you have to do it manually, that's also acceptable. And so really where marketing automation comes in is when you map this out, when you look at the process, you think of what is the lowest hanging fruit to inject some automation that can maybe get 95% of that repetitive job done automatically. And that improves two things. It improves the accuracy of your data and also the timeliness of your data. So that's something you know, I would be looking at if you're doing marketing automation. Mar- you know, figure out what this, those signposts are along the way, figure out how to automate those as best you can, and then. When you're, at, when you're all set and done, you'll have all these date stamps on someone as they move through the candidate's journey. And the best part is you can start reading how long did it take on average to go through all of these steps? Uh, what was the percentage of people that we moved through these steps? And over time you can track is our, our efficiency between each of these steps, the timeliness we're getting through these each, each of these steps, is it going down? Is it going up? Is it staying flat? Because just like in B2B business, time is of the essence. If you're the first person, like if if I'm doing an acquisition of some technology, I'll reach out to more than one company. And if you're the first to respond and get something booked, you can have that anchoring effect. And it's the same for a candidate journey. The faster you can get through someone, maybe you're able to catch up with where they are at with another company, or maybe you're just able to blitz through and be the first person to give an offer. And you can still give three to four days to consider it, but the other companies you're competing against are not even at the final round of the interview. So there are elements here that, again, will pay back themselves over time. Maybe it's harder to quantify in that sense, but easier to pay back over time. You can actually track this data so you can get better. And then once you have that data, you can say, okay, well, what's the next thing I can improve? What's the next thing I can automate? And you just keep going until you've got that process as efficient as humanly possible. Well, you, you think about
0: like HubSpot, anytime you visit a, a page on HubSpot, or if you look at a new feature, anything you mm-hmm. do, you almost instantaneously get an email from a salesperson saying, "Hey, I noticed you were click, you were looking at Marketing Hub. Are you interested in booking a call? To talk about it, right?" Um, and I think that's a golden opportunity in recruitment. And you know, we have these candidates that are looking at content and doing research and Mm -hmm. yeah you know candidate comes they visit the job description candidate that you have you know high score on um so you know that there there's somebody that that's very interested in your company and then all of a sudden boom they get an email saying hey matt i noticed you were looking at this job description did you have any questions would you like to book a time to talk to a recruiter uh no obligation, just uh, you know, chance to answer some questions. Um, you know, that that that's a chance to convert somebody that maybe looked at the job ahead but didn't apply for the job. because um, they still have questions or they're unsure. I mean, it's applying for a job is to me, it it's like buying a house, buying a car. Um, you know, it's a it's a major life decision. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen overnight. Um, it it takes you know that there's a process there there's a journey there um and so i mean that that does raise an interesting point i i think you look at like appcast um said i think 92 percent of candidates visit job pages and leave without applying for a job um which is scary when you think about it um but uh how you know i'm obviously we just we just shared one example but What are some other ways that you think a good automation tool can help convert some of those candidates that are kicking tires um, on, you know, visiting landing pages and and career sites and job descriptions and and things like that, but not hitting the apply button?
1: I think this is a principle that I often use doing marketing automation. It's not necessarily only marketing automation that does this, but it's something that you should consider um, when you're vetting candidates. And that is Are you asking too many questions? Form fatigue is a real thing. It's a real thing when someone is filling out a form to buy something. It's a real thing when a candidate's filling out a job description to, as you say, it's a big deal. I'm betting my livelihood on the success of this company. Like that's a big deal. And while people are willing to invest time, a good example of this, and I saw this the last time I did a job search. I would be going to some companies and I would upload my resume and they would ask me to write out every single thing that I did. And from a data perspective, I'm like, great, you can run all sorts of queries on this, you can, you can uh, score it based on all this information because it's structured, it's written in a a way that you can ingest nicely. But that's where the trade-off comes in, which is who is going to fill that out? There are going to be a lot of people that don't, and you might say, okay, but Those are the people that aren't investing as much time. If they're really dedicated, they're going to fill out this form. And that's not always the case. There are going to be some people. That's an old
0: mentality. Yeah, There's
1: some people who are not going to fill that out, especially with the proliferation of easy apply on LinkedIn. People get to this one and they're like, it's going to take me 20 minutes to refill out my resume after you asked for it. Or worse yet, it ingests your resume and then everything's wrong. It's all in formatted incorrectly. It's missing data. That's a, it's a good example there of a principle in not only marketing automation, but just demand generation of ask the minimal, the minimally necessary number of f- uh, fields or pieces of information as possible, because here's the second component of that, which is, you know, cookies are, are you know, people don't like cookies, they're controversial, they're going away, all that stuff, but at the same time, you need to get people's information before you can start doing that tracking of if they visited your website and actually have information on them. So if you can lower the barrier to entry for getting people to submit their information, get themselves in the system, have you take a look at it. It also means the next time they come back, you might have more information about them to say, hey, they're looking at this job. And while they weren't a fit, good fit at the last one. My automation in the background says, okay, this person would be good for these roles So score them highly. If we have these open roles here, if the two of those are connected and they visit that page and they leave without applying, you could send me as the recruiter, an internal message saying, Hey, this candidate who would have been a good fit for this kind of job, just visited that kind of jobs webpage. You should reach out to them, or maybe you should look at LinkedIn and see if there's still a good fit for it, especially if the date is old and then that's where The power of a recruiter comes in, which is you have that human touch. They can go to the LinkedIn page. They can look at the information. They can look at the person and say, you know, I don't think the scoring system was right. This person's maybe not a good fit. Maybe they're a good fit for this job. Maybe they're a good fit to consider a year from now. They can mark them the CRM, but best case scenario, they look at this and say, holy crap, this person's a great fit. And the best part is they can now reach out via LinkedIn. And you don't have to say, listen, I have your information. I've been tracking you. That's creepy. They can say i think (laughs) you're perfect for this job and if you're an applicant and you have a recruiter reaching out saying i think you're perfect for this job psychology would say that that person's going to be more invested in potentially getting that job because they they've already seen that they are looked at with value from the potential employer so that's just a simple way and we do this all the time in marketing. It's just called like a scored MQL where a person downloads a book. They haven't said, I want to buy this thing, but we use that information to say they score highly, they're at a company we want to target. Let's reach out to them via LinkedIn and see if they're interested. Same principle here. And it takes a little bit of work to get this information. You have to really think about the process, but it- these are easy ways to not only decrease the workload per recruiter, but actually put their hours per day spent on the things that are most value, which isn't just looking through applications and trying to read between the lines, but saying, look at this person. I've done the work to say that this, this is probably a good person to look at. And then you're able to do the outreach and you're, sp- you're saving a lot of time compared to what you would be doing before.
0: One of the things that we don't do enough of in recruitment is offer value early on to capture an email address. Like we ought there, there was a process of our thought process of, of, of talent communities and we'll get people in our talent community. We'll nurture them mm-hmm. and we'll, but if you're not offering any value to that community, it's not a community. It's just a pool of talent mm-hmm. that, that's sitting there. Um, and so like, I, all the good companies that are really sort of taking advantage of this now are they're not when they're doing marketing campaigns for uh for job applicants. They're using lame pages. Mm-hmm. They're they're using better call to action. Um, and so there's there's ways that you can build in these sort of trust building call to actions and, and content that will get somebody to give you their uh their information i mean having you know, a list of ip addresses that visited your career site is not really yeah. it, it's helpful to understand sort of what people are doing and um you know maybe dig a little deeper than you could with google analytics but uh you know you need to get some sort of trust built up there um with and it really stems from offering value first mm-hmm. and and making the early part of the process all about the candidate uh you know when they're in that sort of awareness and uh, consideration phase, you need to make content all about them. And, uh, you know, an easy one is, is like, do you want a free resume mm-hmm. review and, and partner with a company like Top Resume where you send the email to them yeah. uh, and they do all the work. Right. So, um, you know, there's, there's things that we can do to, to offer value to candidates to capture their email address. And like you said, not all of these long forms of all of the information that I need. Like just give me your name and email address and, and we can figure out the rest yeah. and it'll build over time. Um, and the other one is like the the old, which everybody complains about, but so many companies still do is to register to apply, Um, which I, I think my guess is that started because I want to be able to capture where people are dropping off in the application process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then be able to build a you know, a list of, you know, well, if they don't apply, well, at least we got their email address. Um, but there's better ways to yeah. do it than that. And with the technology available today, you don't need that register to apply. So um using tools like marketing automation and a good parsing tool to pull the resume information mm-hmm. out. Um You know, those, those types of tools will lower the barrier to getting people to give you their information. Uh, personal information is very highly guarded today. And if we're not giving enough value for people to give it to us, um, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, asking somebody for their email address today is almost like asking them for the bank card info. Uh, you know, that's, that's the checkout. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we need to really be, uh creative in ways that we can start to build these profiles on, on candidates. Um, but you made an interesting point about, uh, up to date data and making sure that we have the most up to date information. Okay. Um, and, and recruiters, uh, and I, no, I, I don't want to say recruiters because it's not the recruiters fault, um, applicant tracking systems mm. are terrible for this. And so um recruiters go oftentimes to linkedin they're they're doing new searches they're constantly trying to get new applicants into the into the funnel um but some of them might not even be new applicants they're they're like the net new is probably a lot lower than people think because people are applying to jobs multiple times with companies if they really like that company um but could you imagine like In marketing, if you did this campaign and you collected all of these names, hundreds or thousands of names, and then your next campaign, you just threw those all out, started over again.
1: Yeah. It it doesn't make a lot of sense. And really when you're thinking about data like this, and when I was in my nonprofit days, I was at, I was essentially doing membership, getting people signed up for memberships. And I remember one of the first things I did was look at the entire database and say, Are these all real members to start with? And it's an exercise worth going through. And even though it was uncomfortable and we had to ask a thousand of them because they had, they either didn't have the data we needed, or they had been active in like over a year, you need to do that on both ends. So you both need to carry information, as you said, forward into new job searches, because if you have this valuable information, why would you ignore it? But the second thing too, is if you have five-year-old data or better yet, before you even talk about the data you have. You need to establish some basic criteria. You need to say, if I have information about a candidate that's four years old and they haven't logged in, they haven't done anything with my company since that point, you have to really ask yourself, how confident am I that that information from four years ago is even worth using? Maybe the answer is yes, because you're doing something very highly specialized, like someone with a PhD and they're not going to switch. But if it's someone who's just entry level, then Four years is an eternity for someone in their job Mm -hmm. profession. I I think about where I was four years before I got into marketing operations. My job title looked nothing like where I got to. So you need to establish how you deal with the data. And as I mentioned, that's one of the three core pillars, in my opinion, of marketing operations. And if these ATS systems, because I haven't spent really any time in these ATS systems, but if they are really not great at handling the data itself, then you need to create your own criteria where you say, you know, this is the window where the people in the systems itself, I will actually use this information for essentially prospecting or reaching out or consideration for other roles. And outside of these date ranges, I'm going to treat it like this person doesn't have any information with us. You know, if they fill something out and they come back in, sure, obviously use it but I'm not going to be doing outreach to them. They've kind of off-boarded from the outreach into the holding tank for if they ever come back and give us up-to-date information. So really you need to fit, you need to figure out these guardrails. You need to think about data outside of the nitty gritty nuts and bolts of fields and filters and all that. And just say, what is in English, as I, I always say in English, not technically, you need to define what your universe is, define how you're gonna use the data, define what matters. And then you can create a structure and a system and a data set around that, and then build automation off of it. Automation is the last thing in line. If you don't have the process and you don't have the data and you don't have the systems too. It's not it's not gonna matter. It's not gonna matter if you have the best automation in the world, if it's dealing with junk data, where it's not even, you don't even know what it's dealing with. So I think it's it's important. If you're doing this ATS system, figure out what the universe is and then use use your data. Use your data to the full extent that you can, because it's, it's the data you have, as long as you've gone through all of the, the real stuff, like the real complaints, check marks, you're not just scraping this data and blasting them with emails and, you know, can spam violations. Then use it, they, they use it to the best of your abilities.
0: And I think that's why most recruiters like default to LinkedIn versus searching the ATS because mm-hmm. LinkedIn's more yeah. up to date, but. Um, one of the things that we do with our clients, like right off the bat is let's, let's do, uh, let's wake the dead in your, in your ATS and, um, you know, pull out your, your profiles, um, and run them through some, some campaigns, see if their email addresses are still valid. Uh, you know, can we, uh, enhance their profile and get more up-to-date information, their newest job title, you know. Somebody from four years ago that was a junior not ready for the role might be a, you know, um, a superstar right now that that's that's ready to, uh, you know, ready to just jump in and and take over. And but we don't know that because they're not applying to our job because they applied four years ago and we and we ghosted them. Like, I don't know what (laughs) the situation is, but um, but if. Like, so if we take that data and cleanse it and revitalize it, um, you know, we may only get 30% of the candidates that are still active on our, on our, or we may be able to bring back some of them, but then we can start to see those that are actually engaged and some of them, look, you know, might be ready for a new opportunity. They may have progressed to the point where, you know, now we really want to talk to them. Um, and so like revitalizing that data and keeping your ATS data up to date, uh, is really important. So, you know, with your, with a good system and you're right, automation is sort of the last part of the, of the puzzle. Uh, automation itself isn't going to solve it. If you don't know what you're looking for, you don't have, you know, a couple other pieces in, in, in place, but you know, if you can take that sort of create a cyclical process where your candidates are coming in, you go through the job, you hire who you want to hire, um, delete those that are just complete Keith. garbage. And then, um, you know, the other ones, you sort of put them through some nurturing campaigns and, and keep track of them. And yeah. those are the ones that might come back, you know, a year from now or six months from now and say, oh, you know what, their job titles changed. They're clearly looking at, content on our careers page so they're interested so maybe now is the time to reach yeah, out exactly there's there's a huge opportunity for for all of this uh, in recruitment i think um the market is in a place right now where recruiters need all the help they can get um and so you know i'm, ex- I'm i really appreciate you taking some time to come on the show today and talk about some of this stuff and hopefully we uh, we got some people thinking about um using data a little bit more effectively uh, and putting some marketing ops uh, type roles in in, mark- in their recruitment process. Um, if people want to reach out to you and get a hold of you, how to, what's the best way for yeah, them to so do I'm that? Yeah, so I'm
1: on LinkedIn. You can find me. It's um, Matthew, so matthewt lauer which is L-A-U-E-R. So if you just find that, LinkedIn, that's my profile. Happy to connect with people and talk about marketing automation. And then I've been trying to, and this was a complete coincidence. I was like, I'm going to post more on LinkedIn. And it just happened to be on January 1st. And everyone's like, oh, New Year's resolution, I'm going to put this on LinkedIn. It's like, no, that's not, I didn't want to do it as a New Year's resolution. I just thought this is a good thing to do. So I try and post just general principles and ideas and Tend to put some memes in there too, because that's how my brain thinks. So if you want to follow along, you can take those principles and you can apply them to recruiting, you can apply them to anything you want. If it has a, if it has a system, it has data and it has processes around it. These principles apply. So go ahead and you can find me at LinkedIn again, Matthew dash T. Flower, happy to connect and go ahead and follow my stuff. And, um, if you find the memes funny, you can, you know, do the laugh emoji or whatever it is on LinkedIn celebrating there you go all right well thanks a lot matt it was great having you on you too take care brad